2: Whispering. 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 Whispering street. And here is Betty Davis.
3: Hello. They brought him down from the operating room, his body as limp as a body encased in bandages and splints and cast could be. The doctor lingered for a moment while the nurses were getting him fixed up in bed. How's his pulse, Miss Crosby? Not too good, sir. What are his chances?
4: 50%. No more, no less. It was a nasty operation. There's character in the lad's face, Miss Crosby. Nice mouth, strong chin, good nose.
3: Beginning to come out of the anesthetic, doctor.
4: And then what? Well, I'll drop by later, Miss Courtney.
3: There. Uh, there, easy does it. Uh, where, where am yes. I? You're in the hospital. You've had an operation, but you're fine now.
2: Water.
3: I'll put a sliver of ice in your mouth. Ice. Oh, I feel lousy. There there, you'll feel better in a little while, oh feel
2: better tell me this am I going to die?
3: Of course not,
2: oh, but I want to die, you fool, don't you understand I want to die? <laughs>
3: Poor boy is delirious, Martha Crosby thought. He's too young and handsome to long for death. There's nothing glamorous about a man who's coming back to life the hard way. But Martha felt tender and maternal as the hours ticked away. When the nausea had passed, when the last lingering effects of the anesthetic had worn themselves out, she spoke cheerily. Now you're a new person. Everything's thick and sad.
2: I suppose I should say thanks. I'm not grateful.
3: I don't expect gratitude. I'm only doing a job.
2: Oh, don't be such a martyr. Have some spunk. Answer me back.
3: There, there. You must relax. And
2: don't talk to me as if I'm a child who refuses to go to bed.
3: Was asleep swiftly and almost normally. Marta stood over his bed, studying the suddenly smoothed out face. The doctor had described it well a nice mouth, a strong chin, and a good nose. She brushed the lock of hair back from his forehead and turned almost guiltily as the door opened and closed. How are things coming? As well as could be expected, sir. Here's his chart. Thanks.
4: Miles Ogden. Good name.
3: He's 29, according to this. He seems younger.
4: Commercial flyer. As I heard the story, he saved the lives of every blamed passenger at his own expense. Crash landing. He's he's very
3: restless. Well, that's
4: to be expected. Well, I'm glad he's coming along.
3: I'll bathe your forehead and give you another sliver of ice. I want big drink. I feel like a bird and animal if, if you tell me to
2: relax once more, I'll walk out of this place. I hate hospitals.
3: This is a very nice hospital. When you've yes. been here a few days, you'll change your mind about I, it
2: hospitals and women. All hospitals and all women.
3: The period after an operation is a tense one. Martha spent most of it feeding ice to the patient. Toward dusk, the night nurse came in a big hulk of a woman.
5: How's he doing, Crosby?
3: As well as can be expected. Be awfully gentle with
5: him. Will you, Mistry? Don't tell me you're going soft and sentimental. Run along, Crosby, and get your beauty sleep.
2: She needs it. Never saw a homelier female.
5: Then take a look at me, Buster, and you'll see one. (laughs) And you'd better behave yourself, because I'm twice your size. You can bully Crosby. She's a thin little thing. And even though you are good and sick, I'm telling you that you're a stinker made her
2: cry. In just a moment, Betty Davis will be back again. But first... From now on, the career serviceman can look forward to his two retirement checks at age 65, for upon completing the required number of years of service, he'll be drawing Social Security in addition to military retirement. That's because service in the armed forces now builds credit toward both military and Social Security retirement. This new Social Security coverage also means greater disability insurance and expanded family survivor protection. Servicemen in their 50s or younger will need 10 years of survival for retirement benefits. However, servicemen or women already in their 60s and qualify for Social Security retirement with less than 10 years of coverage. The exact amount of coverage time needed depends on your exact date of birth. Details on coverage time and benefit amounts can be found in Social Security pamphlets available now in service libraries and reading rooms. Have you investigated your Social Security benefits? <laughs> Back to our story with Betty Davis.
3: The next day when Martha came on duty, Miles Ogden was better physically, but just as jangled mentally. When she asked him if he had a good night, he scowled at
2: her. Oh, I had a dandy night with that horse-faced female. At least she didn't keep telling me to relax. Mm -hmm. The last name is Crosby. Uh, What's your first name? Martha. Did I really make you cry last night?
3: Oh, it wasn't you. I was exhausted, that's all.
2: Suppose you went out with your boyfriend and told him all about the stinker you're taking care of.
3: You said yesterday that you never saw a homier woman than I am. I haven't a boyfriend.
2: Well, well you're lucky. People who don't get mixed up with human relationships are the lucky ones.
3: Something or someone has made you awfully unhappy.
2: Unhappy? Unhappy? Oh, no, I love being
3: broken to bits. I... I didn't mean your body. I meant, well, spiritually unhappy. You can't have anyone come to see you today, but you can have one person tomorrow. Maybe if your girl came to see you, she'd cheer you up.
2: Forget about my girl. Even if she did come, she wouldn't cheer me up. Besides, I... I haven't any girl... Look, Crosby, you Martha. I wish you'd mind your own business.
3: Gladly. It's time for your medicine, Mr. Rogers. I won't take it. Well, I can't force you to take it. But you'll be out of here faster if you do, and you hate hospitals. Hospitals and...
2: and women. I said it yesterday and I say it again, especially women.
3: Martha Crosby was 26 years old, and she hadn't a boyfriend currently. To tell the complete truth, she'd never had a boyfriend. But like most women, she had an ideal in the back of her mind, and suddenly her ideal had come alive, at least partially so. Martha couldn't explain it even to herself. But by the fifth day, she was head over heels in love with a man who did practically nothing but insult her. It was on the 10th day she asked a hesitant question. Did you mean it when you said you haven't any girls?
2: Definitely. What's it to you?
3: I just feel that you're sort of lonely. How about your people? People? Parents? Brothers? Sisters? I was
2: raised in an orphanage. Anything else you want to know?
3: Not a thing, but... But I would like it if you were a little more contented with... And... plaster
2: casts and traction? Oh, I adore casts, and I'm wild about traction. But why are you concerned with my so-called well-being?
3: Well, every nurse realizes that a patient's cure is more quickly affected if, if he has peace of mind. Oh, and... crying
2: out loud, stop talking like a copybook. If I had a better disposition, would, would you like me?
3: Why, why, I don't dislike you now.
2: You want to know something? Well, I look forward to the time when Miss Mercury comes on duty. She's down to earth. She has her feet on the ground. they big feet, too. They hold her steady.
3: Then you'll be glad to know that she's due right now. I'll go into the corridor, wait for her. No,
2: you don't. you stay right here. Why do I take it out on you anyway? You're you're such a colorless, defenseless little creature. Oh, all right, go on to the corridor. It's all the same to me.
3: For one fleeting moment, Miles Ogden had shown some remorse for his treatment of Marta, but then he quickly had covered up. The next morning,
5: when Marta Crosby relieved Miss Murphy, the night nurse was inclined to be talkative. That patient of ours is the goofiest kid I've ever met. He's all mixed up.
3: Yes, I, I agree with you. He's out of danger, but confused.
5: I go on the theory that a guy likes to talk about his troubles. So last night I asked him to tell me about the crack-up. You know, he's crashed landing. Well, I wouldn't dream of asking him about it. <laughs> you wouldn't. You're so blame sympathetic, and sensitive. You respect the fellow's privacy.
3: Mr. Ogden doesn't think so. What? What did he say when you asked about the crash
5: landing? He said that when he hit the ground, it was his second crash. He said that the first crash had happened when he was up in the air, both literally and figuratively. He asked me, the guy's a nut. Well, New can take on little Lord Dracula for a couple of hours. I need some rest. Martha
3: went into Miles Ogden's room. His bed had been rolled up a bit. He wasn't so conscious of the cast and the traction when he was half sitting up. Hi there. You look wonderful, Mr. Arden. You look almost well.
2: Just after I came down from the operating room, you remember what I told you?
3: Yes. You said you wanted to die. And you called me a fool.
2: And so you are. For putting up with me. I did want to die, you know. I still want to die. I haven't anything worth living for. I'll, I'll never be able to fly another commercial plane. Flying's all I've ever done.
3: Is it all you've ever wanted to do?
2: Well, once upon a time I wanted to design planes, but I. If
3: you have a gift that way, you can still design them. I've read about correspondence courses in almost everything. I'm sure there must be a course in plain designing well, for the and... love of
2: peace. stop being so helpful.
3: Sorry. I brought in the morning papers. You've never asked for them, but I thought perhaps you'd like to glance at the news now that you're better. Well, uh,
2: at least I can read the funnies. Not that the funnies are ever very funny. They're full of blood and tears just like everything else in the world.
3: Then skip the funnies. There's a story on the first page that may interest you. It's about a girl who was a passenger on the plane that you piloted. Oh, yeah? Your crash landing saved her life and the life of her sweetheart. They were married yesterday in a big church wedding.
2: Give me that paper.
3: You, you look so strange. And so white. What have I said to upset you? <laughs>
2: In just a moment, Betty Davis will be back. Four Navy ships arrived off the coast of Colombo, Ceylon. The USS Duxbury, USS Princeton, USS Sutherland, and USS Henderson. They were there to take part in the rescue work made necessary by one of the worst floods in the history of Ceylon. Over 300 tons of food were offloaded and dispatched to the disaster areas. 160 tons were airlifted by the helicopters of the Princeton. Medical teams from all the Navy ships immunized thousands of people to prevent epidemic outbreaks. They also purified the drinking water. After five days of 24 hours a day work, the floodwaters receded and the emergency passed. The spirit and teamwork displayed by these Navy men gave us all a thought to remember. We are Americans. As we go, So goes America. And now, back to our story with Betty Davis.
3: Miles Ogden glared at the small nurse who stood with the newspaper in her hand. His face was pale, no doubt about that, but his eyes blazed, and the hand that reached for the paper was tense.
2: Give me that paper, you little idiot.
3: Here it is. Please don't look like that. Did you want to kill me? Please don't.
2: I told myself that she might have been kidding, but she wasn't kidding. This is the story of her wedding. Crash heroine wed prominent sportsman Beverly Nichols' plights troth with Rodney Bain.
3: You you knew her? Of
2: course I knew her. And how? You asked me if I had a girl. Well, I had a girl once this was the girl.
3: Oh. She's beautiful.
2: She's the most beautiful thing on earth. She's as beautiful as a coral snake, which is small, brilliant, and deadly. We had a quarrel three days before I landed in this bed. Half kidding on my side, but there's no kidding element on her side. Do you want me to go on?
3: It may help you to
2: go on. And beyond help. I left in a rage, and the next morning I got a letter which was delivered by special messenger telling me that after such a display of temper, she'd feel very reluctant to... I'm quoting her exactly. Very reluctant to marry me. Well, I, I went up that night and the next, hating her. But aware of my responsibility as a pilot. And then the day of the crash... Shall I go on?
3: If you don't, I'll never know any of the answers.
2: Well, I got on the plane early. I didn't pay any attention to the passengers who were boarding that day. I flew at a high altitude for a couple of hours. Swell flying weather. Then I handed the controls over to my co pilot and started back to get a cup of coffee from the stewardess. And there they were. Sitting together, holding hands, this big rich lug. He was the reason we'd fought him. I came opposite the seat. I stopped and said, she force of habit, I suppose." Hello, baby. She looked up at me through her incredible lashes and said, "I'm engaged, Miles. I, I want you to meet the man I'm going to marry." I stood staring down at her, remembering a lot of things she'd obviously forgotten. But then I turned and went back to the cockpit. Things began to happen then. Why are you
3: staring at me like that? Because I thought I loved you. Suddenly, I hate you. Miles Ogden stared blankly into the flushed face of the nurse, who had never had a boyfriend, who had thought she was in love with an ideal, an ideal that had come alive. He moistened his lips with the tip of his tongue. It was a long moment before he
2: spoke. I suppose you're jealous of this other girl, but...
3: Any time I'm jealous of her. Why do I hate you? I hate you because you let a personal thing wreck a very expensive plane. Because you let a cheap disappointment... Really kill heaven knows how many passengers... Now, wait a
2: minute. I made a crash landing. I saved the lives oh, of... Oh, so the
3: doctor told me. You saved the lives of every blame passenger. That's what he said. At your own expense. But a pilot who could lose his head because a girl was holding hands with another man should be... Should be what? Should be where you are this minute in casts and traction, in a hospital bed. Go on. Go on. Why are you staring at me like that?
2: Because suddenly you're beautiful.
3: I'm beautiful.
2: Yes. Your eyes. uh, There's a flash of fire coming through the smoke and, and your cheeks are like roses and You've perspired just enough from rage to make your hair curl on your forehead, and that girl was a like a candy box cover or one of those art calendars, but you're rare.
3: Oh, stop it. No more of that. You've been rude to me until I've wanted to die. You can't make me forget it by buttering me up.
2: Now, just a minute. Let me make one thing clear. I had nothing to do with the fact the engine conked out. Let's get that straight. The crash was an unavoidable accident. I'm
3: sorry if I jumped to a conclusion. I I am sorry.
2: Speaking of jumping, I can't kiss you at this distance, but if you move a little closer, I'll see what I can do about it. You're afraid of being loved being wanted.
3: I'm not afraid of anything on this earth or in the clouds where you used to be or in that bed where you are now. And I don't blame you for losing your head. No, darling, in fact... Yes, in fact... Oh, I'm awfully glad you did.
2: So am I, Miss Crosby. So am I. I'm willing to bet that I'll keep on being glad for the rest of my life, which I'll probably spend designing planes and discovering new things about my wife.
3: Skin deep, they tell us. But that's a sim. For real beauty comes from within. If a girl possesses this rare inner beauty, age cannot wither nor custom stale its infinite variety. Martha Crosby was quite right when she gave Miles Ogden what for, because she thought he'd risked the life of his passengers on account of a personal frustration and grief. And what about Beverly Nichols, the girl who nearly ruined Miles' life? Well, Beverly married for financial gain. But was her marriage doomed to failure because of her selfishness? Beverly Nichols jilted a man she professed to love because a millionaire wanted her or thought he did. But a marriage entered into dishonestly is often doomed from the start. You'll be very much surprised, however, when I come back to tell you what happened to Beverly and her marriage. Until then, this is Betty Davis saying goodbye from the Whispering Street.
2: Today's program was written by Margaret E. Sankster. Featured in the cast were Gloria Grant, Yvonne Fetty, Robert Clark, and Ken Peters. Whispering Streets was directed by Gordon T. Hughes and produced by Ted Lloyd. Your announcer is Dan Coverly. Whispering Streets has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.